Welcome to the Hey Girl Hey podcast and I'm your host Kim Miller. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 21. I'm excited to be here as always and thank y'all again. I just I'm going to thank y'all every week but thank you so much for your continued love and support. Every week I get new people that are hitting me up or I'm seeing in public at some point and just they're telling me how much they're enjoying the podcast. So thank y'all so much. That's so encouraging and I absolutely love that. Um, the Hey Girl Hey community is growing and we're growing together. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope everybody's having a great week so far. I love whenever there's a, a holiday at the beginning of the week, it makes the week go by fast and that makes me excited. <laughs> so uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody as well. Everyone celebrated that on Monday. So shout out to all of our um, beautiful people who fought for our country and all of those amazing things. And let me tell you, I don't know if anybody else is excited about Aladdin as I am, but my daughter is not excited about Aladdin. So I have not even got to see Aladdin. I've been trying to bribe this kid to see it all weekend and she was not here for it. I'm going to try and go this weekend. So We'll see how that goes, but let me know how y'all liked Aladdin. If you saw it, hit me up on Instagram or however you would like to hit me up. You can email me, hey girl, hey podcast at gmail.com. Um, but I'm really interested. I know one of my friends, Jamie, went to see it with her girls and said it was good, but there was so many, uh, critics that were saying it wasn't good. So I just want to hear from a few more people because I'm legit excited about Aladdin. I'm super excited about Lion King this summer. And Madison is just like, uh, I don't know. I don't care, but it makes sense. I mean, those are shows from our generation. So I get it, but yeah, I would love to hear if anyone got to see it yet and how you feel about it, because I am like almost tempted to go see it by myself. It's how bad I want to see the movie because <laughs> I love Will Smith. I love Aladdin and I just feel like, how can it not be good? So let me know, but all is well on this end. Um, I'm officially six months pregnant, six months and a week in a few days. So this pregnancy is moving along, going very, very well. I'm, I'm already, um, getting like, first of all, let me just say today, this little baby was like up all day long, like since five thirty, up until this point, I think she finally went to sleep now, but she has been like moving like crazy today. Like I could literally see her, um, like outside of my clothes today, which normally I can't see her that visibly, but now she's just getting so big and so busy. So that just makes it so, so, so real. Um, we're playing in the shower. So that's fun. I did my registry. All that stuff is so fun. So really excited, still having a great pregnancy so far. So I'm grateful for that. But um, I do want to thank everybody for supporting the, um, the mommy episodes, the mommy series that we did for the month of May. And I really, really enjoyed that. That was probably one of my faves because just being a mommy is so special to me. So Thank you to all my friends, to my first girls, Kanisha and Lenora, for coming on. For my mother, Natalie, I love you so much. And my sister, Derica, Randy, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story. Um, it was just a, a really nice time hearing from all the mommies. Sarah Bridgman, thank you, thank you, thank you for that story. I love the feedback that I was getting from all the episodes and every episode did and did something for everybody and blessed people. And so that was really fun. So 
I kind of want to move into like women empowerment, girl power, go boss ladies, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> something I want to really like up my women. I love that the podcast is kind of um, morphed into this thing that men like as well and women love, but I, I still also want to keep holding my roots and always, always, always be a place that uplifts women and supports women. So I think I'm going to move into that. And that takes me to my Hey Girl for the week. And I want to give a huge, huge, huge shout out to my girl, Carrie Cardinelli. And I'm sorry, I do not know your new last name. I have to look it up. I tried to look it up on Instagram, but your husband must not be on social media because I don't see his last name. So I do apologize for that because you are not Carrie Cardinelli anymore. But my girlfriend Carrie got married this past weekend and I'm so excited for her. And she's somebody that I want to have on the podcast soon because she has a beautiful, beautiful story and a testimony that, um, she she will be sharing with us at some point. I really hope to get her on really soon. But um, shout out to you, girl. You got married. You looked beautiful. Sarah, my girl Sarah, did the pictures and did amazing. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful occasion. I hate I couldn't be there. But um, you are my hey, girl. I love you. I'm happy for you. Congratulations. May your marriage be filled with all the love and joy in the world. So hey, girl, Miss Carrie Cartnally. But we're going to get right into our episode. Um... And I say this all the time because I really do feel this way. But this interview, let me tell you, whenever you're laughing and crying all at the same time, you know it's good. And that's how I felt (laughs) this week. This young lady, um, her name is Tyler Coleman. She is somebody who was introduced to me. We go to church together. We serve at different campuses, but we go to the same church. And I would see her from time to time. But um, my husband was actually the one who was kind of like, man, you should really have her on your show. And I was like, that would be cool. For Easter, she told a brief portion of her testimony. Um, But that was just like such a brief, brief portion. So I got to sit down with her and really hear all of her story. She's an amazing um, fitness trainer, beautiful, beautiful, amazing woman. Her body is bomb. I was like, as soon as I had this baby, you're going to have to come back on here and help me out. Um, But it was really nice talking to her. I know you guys are going to enjoy this interview because uh, her story is just so amazing. So, so amazing. So this is my girl, Miss Ty Coleman. I hope y'all enjoy. And yeah, here's the episode. Okay. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to have you, Ty. I I always would see you around at Hope City, Mm -hmm. but at Easter is when I was introduced to your story, and that was like so moving. Mm -hmm. Everybody was crying, of course. So if you have not seen that, you can actually catch that on YouTube on the Hope City page. But um, I would love to hear. And just tears up to my eyes already. Listen, that whole weekend (laughs) was so powerful, and I just want you to share as much as you want to share. But Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, maybe from like your childhood to like teen years. What did that look like for you? Um, So my parents separated when I was eight. Um, My dad was, um, I always knew him to be a great businessman, but never a father. So um, he wasn't around very much. Um, And then when they they divorced, um, it was just me and my mom. And, um, you know, my mom, I I watched her just kind of after that. just kind of jump from relationship to relationship because she was still looking, she was still in that search for, you know, whatever it was that she was missing. She didn't know at the time that she was missing God. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that's kind of what I was seeing, um, as a kid. And, um, and then she married my stepdad, um, uh, a few years after, um, her, my, her and my dad had divorced and, um, my stepdad was an abusive crooked mm. police officer. And oh, so wow. she didn't know that going into that. Yeah. Um, 
but they were married for about 10 years. Mm. And, um, during that time, um, you know, um, a lot of, you know, that the truth unfolds and then the mask come off. And, yeah. Um, we, you know, saw a side of him that, um, nobody else saw, you know? Um, so it was, it was very, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Um, I would watch my stepdad put on this uniform and this badge that said to protect and serve. And then mm. he come home and start drinking, wow. um, hard liquor and he'd get very abusive, mm. um, emotionally, mentally, um, sometimes physically. So it was very hard. Um, and so, um, I guess at about 15, um, I was introduced to marijuana. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that was just kind of like the opening door to, to, um, I was in so much pain, yeah. you know, just as a kid and as a, as a young teenager. Um, and that marijuana was that, that opening door to, um, to numbing, beginning to numb the pain. Yeah. And so that's just kind of where, where it began and, sure. and it started to escalate from there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just want to kind of talk about a few of the things you said. So your, your stepfather was a crooked police officer. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that feel? Cause you hear about crooked police officers, but I've never known anyone to like have that firsthand experience. How did that make you look at cops? How did that make you feel just come? Well, you, you hadn't gotten into any criminal issues there, but like, how did mm-hmm. that feel seeing that close up? Um, that's a great question. Um, you know, it kind of had its pros and its cons, right? It has, it had its pros in that if I got pulled over, all I had to do was use his name and I'm out of the ticket. Yeah, you were good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Um, the cons behind it though, I mean, it, um, uh, you know, it's sad. It it, it was something that I don't think I really understood Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, Like I said, to see a man that puts on this badge that says to protect and serve. Yeah. But yet he wasn't doing that for his own family. Right. It was very confusing for me. For sure. Um, And so I just, I think if anything, it was just that state of confusion, um, a state of fear that I was living in. Yeah. And not really being able to understand what what was going on. Wow. Yeah. You know? That's deep. That's crazy. So 15, now you're introduced to marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. From there, where did it go? Uh, you're in high school now. You're still in school. Mm-hmm. Still, did you, were you in part of any sports or any, how was your academics at that point? Like, where were you mentally as a young girl? Um. So I was just, um, I was just very broken, you know, and I was just on a search, just trying to find who I was. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I did dancing. I, I enjoyed dancing. Um, so I did do that, um, took up karate because people made fun of me all the time. So I felt like I had to do something to protect myself. Yeah. Um, so I did take some karate, um, uh, ran some track, wasn't great at it. Um, did basketball, sat, um, the bench most of the time. Okay. Um, so I was never really like, I never really excelled at anything anything. that I was doing. You just kind of did a few different things here and there. That's it. Yeah. You know, just trying to find like, where do I fit in? Where is my place in this world? Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, so I started doing, um, you know, marijuana from that, it led to, um, ecstasy, acid, cocaine. Um, I mean, and then the more, uh, drugs that I did, um, the deeper that I got into my addiction, Mm. um, and, uh, you know, and then that just kind of, um, 
that just became my way of life. Yeah. You know, how do you feel about marijuana now? Like how, you know, how now in this world is kind of like being legalized in different states and some people do it very casually. Like, do you look at it very, very seriously? Like it's a gateway or do you feel like it's one of those things that it just depends on the person? You know, I really do think it depends on the person. I do think that there are um, medicinal uses for it. Uh Um, But um, I mean, I don't either way. I'm like, if that's, you know, if it if it's medicinal for you and that's why you're using it, then yeah. so be it. But if you're using it to abuse it or right. if you're using it just because you're trying to numb some pain that you haven't dealt with. Yeah. Um, you know, you haven't dealt with personally and allowed God to, to heal you in that area. But you're using this as a coping mechanism. Right. And that's when the problems, I think, really start to arise. For sure. And that's where you were. Right. Exactly. So now you're on marijuana, ecstasy, cocaine, and you're still in school. Well, now um, in school, when I graduated, which I barely graduated, Mm -hmm. um, I had to beg and plead the principal to let me graduate because Mm -hmm. I had missed like a day or two over the allotted numbers that you're allowed to miss in school. Okay. Um, And so I'm like, I mean, I was in the, you know, begging, please let me graduate, you know. (laughs) So he did. He let me walk. Um, And so... Uh, and I just couldn't imagine the wrath from my stepdad if I would, if he would have found out I missed right. all those days, you know, and, and then I didn't graduate because of it. Um, so it was after high school, after I had graduated. Okay. Um, and then so I tried to go to college and I dropped out like three weeks later because okay. I just wanted to party, yeah. you know. And so the more and more I was partying, the more and more drugs that I was using, the more money that I was spending mm. on the drugs. But yet I wasn't. I wasn't really getting any income coming in. So I was in the wait, I was in the um, uh, service industry at the time, the restaurant industry. Okay. And so all the money that I made waiting tables, I turn around and spend. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, you know, like, um, for instance, like I, I wouldn't, I couldn't hold the job mm. for like maybe two or three months mm. at the time. I was just bouncing from, from restaurant to restaurant to restaurant because, yeah. you know, I'd like, go on a on a um you know a rampage where I just wouldn't I would just do drugs all weekend and then I wouldn't show up for work yeah. that was so common for me wow you know and then you would get fired find a new job it was just a cycle. that was it yeah that was it wow yeah. yeah so and then after that um you know um then I was introduced into the entertainment club okay um, so in, in that um I started dancing um started making money now I'm now I have to be high 24-7 just mm. to get on stage. Wow. That's yeah. the same thing uh, Jasmine said. Yeah. Like you have to numb that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did you get introduced to that world? Was it just like friend or? Um, <laughs> another great question. So I actually, um, I was dating this guy and he just had gotten out of prison. Okay. And so he wasn't supposed to leave the state of Louisiana. Mm. Well, his family, his sister and her husband, they um, were moving to Colorado. Mm -hmm. And so he decided that he wanted to move with them and he asked me to go. Mm. So I'm like, okay, sure, let's go. So I ended up packing up, told my mom and stepdad I was going on a vacation to Florida Mm. and ended up moving to Colorado with his family. And um, uh, when my stepdad found out who I was with, it was not, it was not a pretty picture. Um, Because again, he's a ex, he's a convict, right? Um, and so we, it was the four of us and their kid, his, his brother and, um, well, his sister and or her husband, their kid. So it was four of us and a kid and we all lived in one hotel room for about six months. And oh, so wow. during that period, um, her and I 
she had she was really the one that introduced me to it because she had done it before in the past and okay we didn't have any money um so that's kind of how that was introduced into my life and wow. so from there you know even when i left that family like i still was like okay this is who i've become now yeah kind of thing you know and did that feel like natural for you you said you were kind of dancing in high school like was that an easy transition to get into that because you were high and you could dance like was that an easy thing to segue into um, I wouldn't say it was easy. Um, it's a different type of dancing, mm-hmm. right? Um, dancing that I did was jazz dancing, hip hop, you know, those kind of things into yeah. a more seductive, right, right, right. you know, like, you know, so that, that transition was not easy, but it was familiar, okay. I guess, if you will, just because I was used to people looking at me. I was yeah. used to being on stage, if you will, just not in that same dynamic. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Wow. So from Colorado, where did you go from there? You're dancing now. You're living with this family. What was like the next steps after that? So he ended up, um, him and I got pulled over um, and uh, he used a bogus name. They ended up finding out who he really was and they extradited him back to Louisiana. Oh, wow. So I stayed with his sister and her husband for um, a while longer. Um, and I was so, I want, I, my the first word that comes to my head is just brainwashed, mm. um, thinking that this guy really loved me. Yeah. Um, that I was going to marry him in prison. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she was like, you know here's a dress you can use my dress and all this and um so i had ended up i stayed with the family um they ended up getting transferred to tennessee so i moved to tennessee with them for a little bit Mm. and um and i found a letter that he had wrote to his sister and um and i read it and not one time did he like say hey how's ty doing Mm. like you know what's going on like he just didn't mention my name at all and it made me just feel like what is this? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like how much do you really care for me if you not even like, I don't know. That was just kind of, it just didn't sit well in my spirit at yeah. all, you know? And him and I weren't like, we didn't have that much communication while he was in. So I just was like, you know, I, I need to leave. And so yeah. I left and I went back to Louisiana and, um, and the, uh, the addiction just continued and it, it really, um, from there it really got worse because then I started dancing in new Orleans mm-hmm. And so um, I can imagine New Orleans is like that party scene got to be crazy. <laughs> oh, it is. girl. Yeah, it is so crazy. And I was dancing in New Orleans and, and at the time I was able to get a hotel room every night. Mm. And then um, I don't know if it was just a bad season or what, but I wasn't making as much money. So mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to get a hotel room. So now I start sleeping out of my car. Mm. Um, and so then there would be days where I wouldn't have a shower. I hadn't brushed my teeth. So I was ashamed, humiliated, embarrassed to go into the clubs, Yeah, you know? So I would like muster up the the courage to go in every once in a while. And I just go in the bathroom and, you know, wash off and do what I had to do. And mm. I decided, um, and through that whole process, um, you know, I was sleeping either in my car or I would sleep in the park in New Orleans somewhere. Wow. Where was your mom and stepdad at this point? So my mom and my stepdad, I believe by this time they had already divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, They did divorce, actually. Um, And um, so obviously I didn't have a relationship with my stepdad. Um, Hadn't taught, hadn't spoke with my dad at all, my real father. Um, And my mom and I, we just... Um, we just, the communication was never there. We yeah. just, you know, the relationship was so tainted for so long. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, I mean, don't get me wrong. She bailed me out when I called her from New Orleans jail. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for sure. she, was, she was the one to bail me out, but we never, 
we just didn't have that kind of communication yeah, relationship like you didn't at the feel time. safe to go to her and, and stay with her or anything like that right yeah right wow. and i was really in it just at that that state of survival it was yeah. like you know um i just felt like nobody cared nobody loved me not even my family so i just was doing what i had to do and so yeah. i decided if i was going to live like this that i wanted to move to florida because if i'm going to be homeless and living in parks and you know and in my car at least i'll be on the water because yeah, i love somewhere the water pretty yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't do that so I went into the club one last time, made some money that day, um, was able to put some gas in my car and started driving to Florida. I didn't know what part of Florida I was going to. I just knew that I wanted to get there. Yeah. And so um, I was running out of gas. I only had a few dollars left to my name. And so I, I ended I was in Florida, um, stopped at a um, at a hotel and used their phone book and mm-hmm. found the nearest strip club. Mm. So um, went into that strip club, uh, made some money that day. And was able to get a hotel room that night. Wow. So it was like that easy. You could just yeah. go into At the a time city. it was. Yeah. 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 Um, and so um, got a hotel room that night and um, ended up meeting with some crack cocaine dealers. Mm. And they said, you know, hey, if you will drive us around, if you'll basically chauffeur us, we'll keep you, you know, we'll keep you stacked with crack. And I'm like, Hey, bet that sounds like a good deal. Wow. Was that your first time being introduced to crack or you had, I had had done it before. Okay. Um, I was actually dating a guy one time that was really addicted to it. And so I had kind of gone down that hole with him. Um, so I was familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what I did. And so for about two weeks, um, I drove them around. They kept me high. Mm. Um, it was good. Everything was fine. And then we got pulled over and um, the cop automatically just was like, okay, get out of the car. Um, it was myself and two other guys. Mm. Um, and um, he searched my car. He found the paraphernalia. He found the dope. Yeah. Took us all to jail. Um, so now my car, here I am in Florida by myself. Yeah. My car has been impo- impounded. Mind you, I've been living out of my car, right? So everything I own is, is in, in my car, car. Yeah. Right? Um. So they take take us to jail. I go in. I call my mom. I think this is the fourth time I'm in jail. Mm. Um, I call her and she said, listen, if you're going to live your life like this, I can't have anything to do with you. Mm. And so she hung up the phone. I said some really unlife un- un- giving things to her. Yeah. <laughs> hung up the phone on her. Um, and uh, and so I sat it out. I was in I was in that time for about a week and a half. And when I stepped out, Kim, I stepped out of Jacksonville jailhouse. I had absolutely nothing other mm. than the clothes on my back. Wow. I had no money to my name. I had no identity. My mm. my ID was in my car. I had no idea what my car was. Even if I did, I didn't have the money to get it out. Right. I had nothing. So wow. I just started walking the streets. Oh my goodness. And so from there, um, I was like, that was the pit of my hopelessness mm. began there. Um, and I remember when I was locked up one time, um, this girl talking about how, um, she was prostituting and I'm like, I guess that's what I'll, I'll do. Uh, that's what wow. I have to do to make money now. Oh my goodness. You know, and it was familiar to me because I had done the dancing. So, you know, I mean, this must be what it is, you know, Jesus. Um, and so that, um, now if you can imagine like, and it's funny when I'm, when I'm thinking about it now, just the cycles that repeat itself. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when I was waiting tables and spending all my money on, on drugs. Yeah. Now here I am prostituting, spending all my money on drugs right. because I just want to stay. I would just, I'm just trying to numb that, yeah. that feeling, that pain. Right. You know? Um, so I lived my life like that for about two or three years. I was, I was on the streets, um, 
doing what I had to do to survive. Um, got locked up. I'd been um, incarcerated over 13 times. Mm. Um, several, several near-death experiences while I was on the streets. Um, so. I have a question. This is please. very, just to backtrack a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about crack cocaine because mm-hmm. I hear, you hear about crack cocaine being like one of the lowest of the low drugs. Mm-hmm. In your experience, having done so many different drugs, is that one very much different? And like, is that like the rock bottom of drugs, would you say? Um, Yeah. 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 I mean, I think a drug is a drug. Right. You know, and I think at any any point you can get to that rock bottom with any kind of drug, no matter what it is. Right, right, right. But there's just something about um, the high and crack that Mm. will make you do whatever you have to do Mm. to get that next high. Wow. It's like more extreme desperation. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people say. That's a good way to put it. Wow. So whenever you got arrested and you had all these drugs in your car, you never were like arrested for like years and years and years. It was always just kind of like you would go in and come out. Like how did you Mm -hmm. avoid like long jail time? Mm. Um, Another great question. I guess I just, I mean, one favor. Yeah, for sure. Had to be. Right. Yeah. Um, And two, maybe just not having enough, like having the allotted amount of what it would take for me to actually go into prison because I wasn't a dealer. Yeah. So I didn't have massive amounts. Right, right, right. You were just driving someone around to make little stops. Right, right. It was them that had the stops and they, I don't know that they had all of it with them at one time. I don't really know how much they had on them personally. So um, so yeah, mm. yeah, that's a blessing in itself. Yeah, it was. It that's really crazy. was. I remember when I was in the last, when I went, um, the last time I was in, I was in for seven months and I remember the judge telling me if I see you one more time, you know, it's, this, you're in for good. Yeah. So I called my mom, um, the last time I was in, um, and so it's been years since I've spoken with her mm-hmm. and, um, she had gone through Hurricane Katrina. So God was really beginning to work on her heart mm. too. Yeah. Um, and I called her and I said, listen, you know, if I don't get right, I'm either going to wind up in prison or I'm going to be found dead on the streets. Mm. And so I think at that time she could hear the sincerity in my voice. And so, um, she was open to having a discussion with me at that time. So that's kind of how that that started to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you're still, um, kind of living on the street prostituting. Can you share like maybe one of your near death experiences? I know you said you had several. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, wow, there's so many. Um, uh, well, one time, um, I tried to take my own life. Mm. <laughs> um, I was living in a park in Jacksonville and, um, there was a guy that was on the streets and he ended up introducing me to two guys that had a home. Mm. Um, so I was able to go in and, and, um, live on the couch basically. Okay. Um, so I wasn't in the park and, um, um, they were gone for, for work one day and I just decided, you know what, if I'm, I, I just feel like I'm a body taking up space in this world and I just want out. Mm. Um, and so I had found some generic pain pills in one yeah. of the, the guy's cabinets. And so I decided that I was going to, um, what my plan was is I wanted to, um, go, uh, into the bathtub, mm-hmm. fill up the bathtub, sit in there, take these pills and, um, and hope, hopefully I'll drown. Mm. And so I did that, filled the bathtub up. Um, I counted over 20 before I stopped counting. And then I probably took another five or six after that. Wow. Um, and then I just laid there like, okay, I'm going to fall asleep any minute now, Yeah. any minute now, any minute now. And probably about 30 minutes later, I'm like, 
I'm almost starting to feel wired. You know? <laughs> so I got up and I was so serious about it too, Kim. Like I had blocked the doors. Like somebody was going to come in and save me. No, nobody was, oh my, you know, oh my God. like put furniture against the door just in case. Like I was wow. so serious about it, you know, Jesus. So I had to get up and like move everything back into its place. And a little while later, I ended up passing out on the floor. That was one of them that I was, you know, on my own will on, um, um, another time, um, I've been walking the streets and, um, Somebody had, there was a girl, her, her name was Ponder and she was deaf. And so she had approached me um, and basically we were talking back and forth about going to get some crack. Uh-huh. And so um, she introduced me to this home and in the home, um, this guy was like, Hey, this, this, these people over here, they, this, they have this crack. I'm over here, whatever. So they had brought me in that home mm-hmm. just to kind of scope me out and see, okay, like, what can we get from her kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? Yeah. So I gone over to this place with Ponder and we got some crack and then I went back into the home with them and, um, they ended up robbing me. Um, I had a cross necklace on, he yanked my necklace and he held the gun to my head. Mm. And I remember just, I remember just with that gun to my head and I remember, this is just so twisted. This is where my head was at the time. But just thinking, I hope you blow my brains out and mm. you have to clean my brains up off your couch. You wow, know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's where you were. That's where I was, wow. you know. Um, and so that was that was one of them. Yeah. yeah. So in those moments where you kind of like dodged death, did you feel like, man, maybe I have a purpose? Like, did that ever cross your mind? Not once. No. Not one time. Wow. Yeah. No, I. I. I really thought like this was this was the life that I was going to be living. This was this is what was meant for me, you know. Mm. Um, And it was hard for me to understand that because I remember there'd be nights where I would just cry out to God, you know, and I am just to backtrack a little bit. um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Okay, Um, I was invited to church with a friend of mine when I was like 12 or 13. Uh So I started going to that church. and uh, thank God it was like real close by the house. So my mom would just drop me off or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I remember asking God to come into my heart, um, you know, forgive me of my sins, you know, come into my heart. And uh, but I, I was young mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really understand it. Yeah. And I didn't have the foundation or the teaching coming from my family sure. to kind of back all that up. So yeah. it was just like I did what the pastor said to do. Didn't really understand it, but then just walked out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it was in that moment is when I was truly saved, and 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 when God just sent His His angels to keep watch over me the whole time I was going through that process. Yes. So when I was on the streets, you know, there were nights where I would just cry out to God and be like, "Why? Yeah, why? Why would? Why?" Like I didn't understand that it was really a it was the consequences from the decisions that I had made, mm-hmm. right? Like, but I, I I didn't I didn't understand that. I just thought, God, what have I done? Yeah, you know, to deserve this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. Okay, so how how did you transition from that lifestyle? This is years and years and years of now, the lowest of the low. Mm-hmm. What was the turning point for you? Um, well, like I said, um, I realized that last time I was in, if I didn't get right, I was either going to wind up dead, yeah. or in prison. And so, um. And so when I called my mom and, and she actually had come to visit me, she was still living in Louisiana. So she came to Florida, mm-hmm. um, which is where I was and incarcerated. And she came to visit me on two different occasions. And she said, um, when I got out, she asked when I got out, if I wanted to move back to, she was actually moving to Oklahoma since her home had gotten flooded in yeah. Louisiana and Oklahoma is where her side of the family is from. So okay. she said, when I got out, if I um, asked if I wanted to come move to Oklahoma with her and restore our relationship and, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, just try to find that healing within myself. And yeah. so, you know, if it, if it wasn't for my mom giving me that second chance, honestly, I would have gone right back out into the streets sure. and just gone back to what I knew. Yeah. 
well, grace of God, right? Yes. Um, so, so she, um, she came to, she came to get me and, um, and I remember I was just so, um, you know, when you're behind bars and, um, there's just such a a demonic spirit, Mm. um, that's in that place. And it, and it almost is like, I mean, it just, it just holds you like, um, you know, we talk about having spiritual chains, chains and bondage and everything. Yeah. And I just, it was, it's so true, Mm. you know, it's so true. And, And I just felt like I was in so much bondage and, um, these chains were just, just weighing me down. Um, and I got out and, um, I don't know even really how to explain it, Kim. Like I was so, um, I think because I had been incarcerated, um, and I was just, um, in myself in that place. Um, I didn't know how to function, um, you know, in life. Yeah. And so I remember my mom, she told me the story. I don't even remember it. Um, we had gone to eat. She was like, what do you want to eat? Right. Cause yeah. we're, when you're behind bars, you eat the same thing all the time. So yeah. it's like, what's the first thing you want to eat? Right, right, right. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm like pizza. Yes. <laughs> so she, um, so we went to a pizza place and, um, she said that I sat at another table by mm. myself. Oh, wow. And then I just sat there and I ate my pizza and that I was very, um, because I just didn't know how to, I didn't know how to function with people. Right. I didn't know how to, um, how to communicate, how to, interact um so um so that was just the beginning you know um of of the journey um and so I moved back to Oklahoma with her and she said listen you'll get a kick out of this Kim she said listen you need to go to rehab you need to see a therapist and I'm like no I don't yeah I just got out of jail I'm not doing none of that Uh -uh." right that sounds like prison again (laughs) exactly no thank you so she um she was like uh well, then you need to do something. So yeah. how about we take that energy and we put it into the gym? And I'm yeah. like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Right. So we, we go to the gym. We join a gym. It's on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the elliptical for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like sweating it out. I'm starting to feel good. I'm like, oh, I got this. Yeah. Right. Like, okay, this is good. I feel good. Well, then I'm like, okay, I think I've had enough. You know. <laughs> so I get off the elliptical and I go to sit down. Well, I ended up passing out. I hit my head on the machine. Oh, my god! I was knocked unconscious. What? <laughs> And I woke up to this lady that was standing over me going, don't move your neck, don't move your neck. And I remember thinking, what radio station is this? Because I had passed out with my headphones in. Yeah. And I opened up my eyes and there was about a dozen people staying around me. Oh, my Lord. They had to put me on a stretcher. They rushed me to the emergency room. Dang. I had $4,000 in medical bills and staples put in my head. And I hadn't even been out of jail a week yet. Oh, my gosh. Right. So I'm like. <laughs> Just from being on the elliptical that little 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you because... had been used to like that physical activity. Or yeah, and my, my body was like, what body. are you doing to me? Right, like, right. I'm shutting down. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here, but uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. What do you do? for? And now you're like, I love that that was the first thing that your mom had you do, though, because I was like waiting to hear the story of how you got into that world. But yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's how. But yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. That, was the, that was the introduction. That was the Hello. Okay. <laughs> Look at you now. Where most people, right, yeah. where most people would like, oh, I'm never stepping foot in, in the gym again. Right. right. Like that would scare them to death. Yeah. But I, for me, it was just like, okay, wow, I'm really unhealthy. Yeah. I need to do something about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started working. I was serving at IHOP at the time. Um, and eventually I was able to save up enough money where I, I hired a personal trainer. And yeah. so I started working with her. And um, a few months into working with her, she said, you know what? I think you'd be really good at this. 
And so, um, so I checked into it and, um, ended up getting the book in, got the NASM book in. And I remember I was so excited, yeah, so excited when I got this book, Kim, and I, and I just randomly opened it up. You know how sometimes we'll do that. We'll just randomly open up the Bible and just be like, speaking right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I randomly open up this, this, this book, the, the, um, NASM book. And I open, it just happens to open up on the anatomy. Mm. And I remember looking at this word and I remember going, I can't pronounce that word. Mm. I, I, I don't, I don't know what that is. I'll never be smart enough for this. Mm. There's no way I can do this. Wow. And I shut the book and I just put it back. Mm. And it really discouraged me. The word is actually gastronemus, which is our calf muscle. Um, but it just discouraged me. In that moment, that's what discouraged you. Because I didn't, you know, I, I had a high school. I mean, I graduated high school, but yeah. like I said, I like barely graduated. I skipped so much. Like education was never enforced. It was never, um, I was never taught the value of the, or the importance or the worth of an education. Yeah. So then I didn't go to college, you know, so it was just like in my head, I just felt like I was stupid, yeah. you know, and having done all these drugs and just, I mean, I really think there's true science behind frying brain cells and all this. And so I was just like, I, I, I can't do this. Mm. Like, I just, I'm never going to be smart enough for it. But, um, every day I would, um, I would, I would pick it up and every day before I would get into it, I had a, a laptop at the time that I would type all my letters to God. Mm. And every day I would just type a letter to God. God, wow. just help me to understand what it is that you want me to know today. Help yes. me to soak it in. Help me to be able to to understand it, to receive it. Um, and so um, every day I did that. And the, I had nine months to um, before I had to take the test. Okay. And so um, I finally go and take the test and I failed it. Mm. But then I went back like two weeks later and I passed it. Yeah. And I remember the joy of just sitting in my car yes. and just like, God, thank you. Yeah. Thank you that now I have this certification that I can be a personal trainer, that right. I can like help people on their road to fitness. Oh, when just two God. years yeah. ago, wow. I was on the streets and it was just such a surreal moment for me, you know? Um, so that's kind of how that part began. Wow. That's amazing. Let me just get my life in order. <laughs> right. um, okay, so you were writing these letters to God during that time of studying. What What do you think like brought you back to God in that moment? Because you never really had a strong foundation in God, but you had that moment where you felt like you gave your life to God when you were twelve. But like, what brought you back to just like calling on Him to even trust in Him in that way? Mm. So I was um, I was at Life Church, going to Life Church in Oklahoma at the mm -hmm. time, and. Um, I had rededicated my life to Christ then. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's just like we talk about through freedom, like you can be saved, but not set free. Right. And so, of course, I didn't understand that concept at the time, but I knew that I had rededicated my life to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I knew and I knew it was only because of him, his grace, his love for me, his forgiveness, that I was where I was and that I was able to overcome the things that I had overcome in my life. And so I was on a mission to do better yeah you know yeah and did at this point where you like drug free completely you had yeah. kind of gone cold turkey or did you go to rehab no no i just cold turkey wow yeah that's amazing yeah and what do all your tattoos represent i know that that has a lot to do well your brand is kind of like fitness and tattoos mm -hmm. but what does that mean for you exactly you know all my tattoos have some kind of meaning or purpose behind them yeah you know um uh, the fly, the butterflies, obviously for transformation. Yeah. Um, I have this. I call her my woman of prayer. Her her body's coming up out of the water, and mm -hmm. 
so that's just kind of you know I feel like there's just been a spirit you know um that just someone was praying for me yes you somebody know? was somebody was praying for me to yeah. keep me alive through yeah, all that yeah, time for so, sure um I have a, a tree on my leg because uh you know I was sleeping in parks and so I slept under trees and mm. so that's very um very uh what's the word sentimental yes um and then on my left leg um I encountered a really spiritual experience when I was on the streets, actually several, several very spiritual experiences that um, if I was to share some of these stories, most people would think that either one, I'm crazy or two. The only reason why I saw those things was because I was on drugs and um, it, that very well both could be. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, I still did really um, experience a couple of very real spiritual experiences. Yeah. Um, and so my left leg actually represents kind of a real level be found in time piece. Mm. Yeah. So tell me about it, please. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share? I'm in, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I was, I was in new Orleans. Um, and I remember just, I was sitting down and there was a purple flower just by itself, mm-hmm. um, next to me. And so I picked it up. And I just was holding it and just kind of like in this moment and just kind of like smelling it. And I remember looking up and I remember seeing this. It was like it was a dump truck and this guy had um, had gotten off the dump truck and it was just like he was still. And it was just this moment of where it was just this feeling where the whole world just paused Mm. and I just felt this love. I don't know. Mm. It was very real though. Yeah. And um so that's that's kind of where that came wow. from. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love you so much. I love you so much. <laughs> I want to um I want to kind of wrap a little bit, but I would love to hear your take on um anybody that doesn't know and doesn't go to our church, Hope City Freedom is something that people mm. experience and it's amazing. It's a 12-week course that's very in-depth, very involved, and then you go to a conference. So for you and all you've been through, I don't know how many freedoms you've gone through, but what did freedom mean for you? Like what did that I'm just getting tired what did that do thinking, for you? Teared up thinking about what freedom did for me. I just got to hear for you cuz it seems like you would have such an amazing take on that that journey again it's i just go back to that we can be saved but not set free right and freedom was um a pivotal shift in my walk with god yeah um and so during the process um i went um my first um time going through freedom was the end of it was the fall of 2018 okay and so um I remember like the first or second, actually the first week I went in, um, I was invited by Jordan Smith. Mm -hmm. And so she actually wasn't even there at the house, um, that night. And I remember walking in and I just, you know, saw all these just bright, beautiful women, but I thought, I don't, I don't fit in here. Like, Mm. I don't like, I don't know if this is my place. Like, and they were like an hour and a half drive away from me. Wow. And I'm like, I'm just, I don't know if this is going to work out. Yeah. Cause it's a commitment. It is. Right. But I sit down and, you know, kind of go through the night or whatever. And they were all just so friendly and so kind to me. And I hadn't ever experienced such love from such a group of women. Yeah. You know, and um, and so I left in the second week I went back and we really started to dig in a little bit, you know, and I remember going to share something and then I remember holding back mm. 
And then I said, you know what? I'm, I come here. I'm here to be set free. Yes. And I went and I, and I continued to share what it was that I was going to share. And that for me, just announcing that. Yeah. I think that was that just like that. This is why I'm here. Right. I'm here to be set free. Right. And, um, and so just through that process, like, um, just the prayer every, every night, every Tuesday night, I mean, it, it quickly became my most fav- favorite day of the week. Yeah. You know, I didn't care. It was an, if it was an hour and a half drive there and back, like that, wow. you know, it was, I it was worth it. You it had was to worth be there. It. Yeah. It was worth it. Um, and you know, through the process, like we don't realize, we may not actually see what God is doing each and every week. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we may not have, and, and, and in some weeks you do like week of forgiveness, like it was automatic. It was like clear. I, yeah. Yeah. It was clear. Like I was still holding so much bitterness and, and resentment towards my real father. Right. Mm. So, but you're going through these little, these, these chapters and you don't realize God is just working behind the scenes, working behind the scenes. Um, so forgiveness was really strong for me. Surrender was really strong for me. Yeah. Um, but then at the conference, girl at the conference, mm-hmm. man, like <laughs> it was unbelievable. The Saturday, the Saturday morning, like I remember, you know, the, they, they, the first thing that we go through is purity Yeah. and you know, they said, right, you know, on the cards, you know, the names or the number of people that you've been with. And I remember writing, God, I don't know how many people, nonetheless, yeah. the names, but I know in this moment that you are going to heal me wow. from all of the soul ties yes. that, that I'm holding on to. And so I went and had prayer over it, was boohoo, bawling like a baby, went to the cross, stood, prayed for a while, tore my card up mm. and just truly believed in that moment that God, um, that, that God had, had made me new again. Yes. And so that whole day, I mean, Friday and Saturday night, both were just, it was so unbelievable, just the presence of God and what he was doing in my life and, and in so many others, you know? Um, and then this girl comes up to me and, um, she says, uh, I have a revelation mm-hmm. from God. Um, can I share it with you? Mm. And I'd never seen or heard of this girl before. I had no idea who she was. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you know? And she said, when I first saw you, this morning you were hovered over like in a fetal position everything was really dark Mm -hmm. um you know you were you were i felt the spirit of depression um you know loneliness whatever it was and she said the next time i saw you you were standing up Mm. you had these big angelic wings behind you she said it was bright it was sparkly it was shining and she said i've just come to tell you that you have been made new wow god has cleansed you and she just started prophesying all these things yeah all these things that i felt like god had already revealed already given to me and it was just like confirmation. confirmation yeah and uh and then she said god has given you a new name and then she had also like, it, it, it was just so powerful. Right. And so then pastor Jeremy comes out and he starts part of his message was talking about how, um, how Abram and Sarai were given new names of Abraham and Sarai or wow. Sarah and Sarai. Um, and so I was just like, Oh my gosh, you know, this is just, oh, that it was amazing. It really was. Wow. It really was. So, um, went through freedom again this past semester. I had the, the opportunity to get to co-lead. And yeah. so, um, now actually what, um, what, uh, has been my prayer is to be able to bring the um, freedom curriculum into Houston prisons. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Do yeah. you, are you a part of uh, prison ministries now or is that something you're, you're tapping into? Um, so both, um, I, um, you know, pastor Trevor, um, at Cornerstone, he also has a heart for prison ministry. Yeah. Um, and so he really has all the connects. And so he's out there kind of 
putting all the pieces together. But meanwhile, God has just really opened up some doors for me. Yeah. Um, with uh, Eyes on Me and Hip Hop Hope Ministry, and um, they do prison ministry. So right now, I'm just kind of like, I'm just saying yes to Whatever, everything. Yes, you know, for sure. God, wherever you lead is where I'll go. Yes. You know? Oh, you are such a jewel to the body of Christ. Oh, like I can't you. wait to see all the things you're gonna do. Yeah. Thank so you. I'm for sure gonna make sure all your information is provided, and anybody okay. can kind of stay connected with you. Yeah, I would love that. But this was amazing. I know. This conversation yes, was. was just filled with laughs and tears and all everything. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was gonna be good. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you you got to come back when I, I drop this you. baby. You can help me get my life in order. Come on, girl, let's do it. <laughs> Because your body is amazing. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> and you're so beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. But thank you for coming. We can wrap it up. Yeah. So I always you. just say bye, girl, bye. Bye, girl, bye. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, my gosh. That interview was so, so special to me. So, so, so beautiful. I absolutely love Ty. That's my new girlfriend now. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed filming and taping that episode. And I'm going to actually try to get that up on YouTube as well. But, um... Please follow Ty. All the things she's doing, she's connected with some amazing organizations. And I will make sure to link them in the the show notes. But please, please, please keep in touch with her because she, I don't know where God is going to take her, but I'm excited for anything that she has going on in her future because it has to be crazy amazing. But um, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. I'll see y'all next week. Bye, girls. Bye.